Jokic goes down. Will Barton steps up. But boy, that bench. Nuggets lose to the Jazz. This is Locked on Nuggets. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Locked On Nuggets. I'm your host, Matt Moore. Thanks for joining me. I am the senior NBA writer for the Action Network, and I am the Nuggets insider for 1043 The Denver in Denver. You can catch me after every single Nuggets game on 1043 The Fans post game show with Sean Drotar and Sandy Pluck. It's a great listen. You should check it out if you're listening, if you're in the car on the way home from the arena sometime. Check it out. I want to tell you that. We are so grateful that you made us your first listen each and every day. We're free and available on all platforms. Just me tonight because it was a late game in out in Utah, 8 o'clock start here in Mountain Time Zone. So just me tonight. Here's the plan, okay? Uh, first segment, we'll go over the Jokic stuff. And there's, you know, stuff to talk about, nothing to panic about, but we'll talk about that. Second segment, we'll talk about who stepped up when Joker went down. And the third segment, we'll talk about the bench because we just have to talk about the bench. That's the thing that we got to do again because it continues to just, um, what's the word I'm looking at? Suck ass. That's, that's what the bench continues to do is suck ass. All right. So let's go ahead and, and start with like the big picture thing. So Nikola Jokic absolutely annihilated Rudy Gobert again. Just one of those classic Joker just destroys the best defensive big man in basketball nights. Eight of nine in 15 minutes, three of three from three, six boards, six assists. 24 points in the first half, well on his way to what would have been an absolutely monster night, maybe one of the best performances of his career. He was absolutely dominant and dominant, dominant, dominant. There we go. And then bump knees with, with Rudy Gobert on the baseline. Uh, went down, was in pain, limped off, went to the locker room, tried to test it at half, said it felt weak. And Michael Malone pulled the plug. I was like, eh, no, nah, if that's if that's where you're at, we're not doing this. So he doesn't play in the second half. Uh, knee contusion is what it was listed as, which is a knee bruise, right? Um, here's what I can tell you. No x-rays were performed as of the end of the game. Okay. So I would imagine probably at some point there will be imaging done, whether it's an x-ray or an MRI, because you want to be sure on these things. If you're like, well, what's the concern? The concern, in my opinion, is that you're worried about a patellar injury, which that's the like, that's your kneecap, right? What you don't want is you don't want a patellar fracture because that's bad. That that would be very, very, very bad in all sorts of cataclysmic, apocalyptic ways for the season, for the Nuggets' short and long term. Like everything is bad if it's a patellar fracture. It's not career ending, but it would just be very bad. Um, I will say that usually if you suffer a patellar uh, fracture, it hurts so bad that there is no way that you're like, I might be able to go. That's not how it goes. In my experience, not that I've had one because I don't slam into giant seven foot people as part of my job. But from what I've understood from talking to players is with the patellar injury, you do know quite immediately because it hurts so bad, you know. Um, The fact that he felt like it was, quote, weak is not good, but Malone said after the game, he didn't think it was, quote, too, too serious. Monte Morris said he spoke with Joker and Joker said it would be fine. And there doesn't seem to be like a whole, when a player is seriously injured, there is a, a, a Paul. And you could tell like after the Jamal injury, like everyone knew. 
right? Like you're hoping for the best, but like every, everyone knew after that game, if you were on the post game zooms, if, if, you know, we were in the locker room, but like you could tell immediately from Michael Malone to the players, like everybody knew, right. That it was just, that was it. He was done. Uh, not that same sense with Joker. So not good. Cost them a win tonight. I'll just go ahead and say that they win this game. If Joker plays, but um, probably if we're talking about from a probabilistic sense, um, most likely scenario is that he's out a short while at most. And then is back. I don't think it's impossible to say that he'll play uh, Friday, given that they've now lost two in a row and the team really does not like to lose three in a row and Yoka just hard to keep off the court. They don't want to lose three in a row. Losing streets are bad, right? Um, I would say there's no way he plays the back-to-back, though. I can't imagine him playing with the bone bruise on Friday and then playing in the back-to-back. I can see him skipping the game Friday and then playing in the Saturday set. So we'll see. Uh, we'll have more news on it. If there is drastic news, God forbid, on Nikola Jokic, we'll, of course, do an emergency pod tomorrow and give you all the details, but then um, none of you will be able to hear it because you'll be drowning yourselves in alcohol of some type. But uh, I, again, want to stress the most likely scenario is that he's going to be fine. I will say I asked specifically for the x-ray news from people because I needed to know, like, if they're concerned about it immediately, then an x-ray is probably done and there was no x-ray performed uh, per the people that I talked to with the nuggets. Um, Joker was incredible. They were within range. They took the lead in the third quarter uh, and that's not possible. If Joker isn't as great as he was, he was absolutely incredible. Just an MVP dominant performance. And you know, I'm just going to say it. Rudy Gobert lucked out on this one. Nothing dirty about the play. Absolutely zero. Nothing dirty about the play. Gobert after the game, uh, wish Joker well, you know, it's like did, no, no hard feelings there whatsoever. It wasn't, it was just one of those things, just freak basketball play. Um, but all the news continues to be pretty positive for the whole Nikola situation. So that's like the good news is there's not like a whole poll. We'll keep you updated on what the situation is. Um, but that's as far as we know. And basically that's the story of this game is that the Nuggets would have won this game if Nikola Jokic doesn't get hurt. I feel fairly confident in saying that. Um, so Best wishes to Joker on a quick recovery. We'll keep you updated on when he's going to be back or out, et cetera, once we have more information. Let's take a break. Uh, when we come back, I want to talk about who stepped up in his absence and uh, <clears throat> who, who didn't. Some folks did not step up the needed to. We'll do that when we come back on Locked on Nuggets. But first, I want to tell you about Sweatlock. So it started this thing I hate in Colorado where you layer and then you're sweating but then you go outside and it's cold. So you have to put more layers on, which makes you sweat. It's a pain. It's just a pain. And so that's why you got to use sweat block because you use it once at night and then you're good seven days. It's got a seven day guarantee. You're dry or you get your money back. And a whole bunch of different people have used sweat block. And we have all these testimonials from folks. So there's a story about a high school teacher. Uh, he pit out by fourth period because some schools are just absolutely, they have very terrible heating and cooling. Uh, he'd hear the snickers and whispers from the students. So he started bringing a second shirt to change into between classes. That's not cool. Then he heard about sweat block on this program. He tried it and it's he's now hooked. No more snickers and no more second shirt. It's doctor created, doctor recommended. It's not just for armpits. You can use it anywhere that you've got sweat. You gross. If you or someone that you care about is dealing with excessive sweat, you got to check out Sweatblock. Get it off, get it today for twenty percent off at sweatblock.com with promo code Locked On or at Amazon and CVS. We will be right back 
Kapan waktunya? Back here on Locked On Nuggets, thanks for making this part of your day. Matt Moore, rolling solo tonight on a Locked On Nuggets post-game recap of a bummer of a loss to the Jazz with a pall cast over it by Nikola Jokic's absence. We talked about that in this first segment. Uh, let's, let's get into who stepped up and who didn't. Aaron Gordon was phenomenal in that first half. Malone said after the game that if he could bottle that up, they'd be in great shape. It was absolutely just terrific in that first half. Like It was he was aggressive and engaged and like all of his makes were from inside the arc. Like just attacking the rim. So efficient. He finishes with a really good night. Like even in the second half, I'll say this Gordon finishes with 20 and seven, four turnovers, but 20 and seven. And in the second half, it did to me, it looked like he just ran out of steam on the back to back. Like if this is a normal rotation game, I think that Gordon probably powers through and is still attacking trying to get the, the, the three-pointer air ball, obviously overthought it. When it goes over three from three, the three-pointer is still inconsistent. If he's hitting it, it's going to be huge. If he's missing it, it's going to be a bummer. Like, that's how it goes. But Gordon's effort was there the whole night. Like, Gordon was engaged and stepped up and was, like, this was a, a spot where, again, you know, back-to-back versus a dominant team, disappointing loss last night. And, like, Gordon showed up to help them win, and they were winning the game with Gordon. Uh, he wound up as a negative only because of the second-half performance. Let's talk Will Barton. Um, Will said last night he needed to get more assists. He only had three, only three assists, but you know, that's what happens when you lose Nikola Jokic. Uh, 21 points, nine of 16 shooting, four boards, three assists, one steal, one block. Um, Did have four turnovers, but he had to do a lot of ball handling, especially in the second half. So uh, he was just really aggressive, right? Like that's what you want to see. And like when a guy like Joker goes down and you've got a one point lead on the road, somebody's got to step up and be like, I'm willing to do this the whole criticism of Will Barton is, is constantly and consistently that he thinks it's his time. It's going to have to be Will's time sometimes until Jamal gets back. And even a little bit after like you want Will Barton engaged. You don't want a passive Will Barton. You don't want like a scared spot up shooter. Will Barton, you want him attacking. He's got shake off the dribble and he really created stuff in that second half and was a big part of why they had a lead and looked like they were actually going to pull it off until the bench came in, which we will get to in the final segment. I have nothing but respect for Will Barton after that performance. Like he is taking responsibility for this team. Like they brought him back. He's making less than the other guys on that squad. And he still stepped up and was trying to help deliver them a win. Will was absolutely fantastic. Will Barton does not deserve any sort of heat for this loss. He was great tonight. Uh, Monte Morris, another really good night. Um, Eight of 13, you know, the, the shot came was aggressive, said that Malone was in his ear, like talking to him and, and telling him to stay aggressive. 19 points for Monte. Four assists, only one turnover. That's the kind of Monte Morris game that you want to see. 35 minutes he had to play tonight on a back-to-back, gritty stuff. Like, it was a bounce-back performance from Monte Morris, who, you know, he he shut down the t- talk about how he didn't touch a basketball in the offseason because of the injuries and stuff like that. Like, he shut that down. And he was like, no, like, I just got to get comfortable in my new role, is what he said, which is interesting Right, because a lot of this we've talked about this with the starters. Uh, some of it, I will say, is <laughs> this is the kind of the difference is like so many so often um, fans don't want 
the non-stars shooting. They just kind of want them to be there, right? Like, why are you taking a shot? That should be Joker shot or whoever, or MPJs. We'll get there in a second. Uh, but you need everybody to be aggressive because if you're aggressive, it forces the defense to react and that's going to open up stuff for somebody else. As long as you're willing to be aggressive and you're willing to share, you're not selfish, which most professional players are in the NBA at this point, good things are going to happen to you. And Monte Morris had himself an absolutely excellent night. So I don't know what, what, it's going to happen with the rotation in terms of the bench, which again, we'll get to in that final segment, but Monte Morris breakthrough performance. That's what you wanted to see. Hopefully the start of a good season and like a little bit of uh, shaking off those early issues for Monte. Great performance by him. And then there's MPJ. Okay. I got to set up. This. All right. So. All right. I'm not trying to crush him. I need to be very clear on this. If MPJ was a second year player that was drafted 26th and was trying to find his way in the league and was thrust into a starting role because Denver was too shorthanded or just hadn't managed the, you know, hadn't managed the roster right and was forced into this position, then I would be like, look, you can only expect so much, right? Like, you know, he's a flawed player. That's why he was picked, you know, 26th or whatever, which that's where Bones was picked. Um, but he's not okay. Like at some level, this guy was given an obscene amount of money in the off season, but even beyond that, like you don't pay a guy for one year and you definitely don't pay a guy for four games. Right. It's not that I'm saying that MPJ's struggles are going to continue. It's not that I'm saying that MPJ's, you know, the problem or that it's unacceptable or that, you know, he needs to get traded or anything else. It's simply a matter of, as an analyst, this is what I feel my responsibility is, is to really dig down and make sure that we're clear about what the problems are. And MPJ had a golden opportunity tonight, right? Gordon helped him in the first half, helped him get the lead. Joker goes out. They've got a lead, right? They're not trailing. They've got a lead. They can win this game. He's getting touches. He knocks down a three. They keep running stuff for him. Nope. Does not happen. Does not happen. In the second half tonight, Michael Porter Jr. was 2 of 10 from the field, 2 of 6 from 3, including 1 with 20 seconds left on the clock, which it's fine, whatever. Um, three three boards in that second half, by the way. One assist, two steals, six points, and a minus six. So he took 10 shots. Six of those were from beyond the arc in the first half of this contest. Uh, he had seven points on eight shots, three of eight shooting one of five from three, eight, five of his eight shots were from deep six boards though. At least he was getting rebounds in the first half um, for seven points. Didn't drag down the starters. Cause Jokic was absolutely in fuego, right? Like he was a supernova and look, they, they had better numbers with MPJ on court, most of those with Jokic, than with just Jokic. It was seven to eight. You, I feel very strongly that even with young players, if you ask me, like, well, is MPJ ever going to get it? My answer is like, well, probably. Yeah, like he's super young and guys take a little bit of time and then they become better players and he's extremely talented. The fact that I looked this up, he has averaging about 9% fewer of his shots from inside the paint or restricted area this season than he did last season. It's not like a huge number, right? It's like 36 versus 29. It's kind of the differential. 
but that difference is pretty noticeable, especially when he hasn't shot well at the rim. Like Porter can't live on jump shots alone. It felt very much like in the first half, they challenged him and they challenged his handle and MPJ decided that he was just going to shoot. And that was what he was going to do. And maybe that's like what he thinks he should do. Like that's possible, right? It's possible that he just thinks he looks at it and says, He looks at it and says, okay, we have this really great offense. I don't want to mess it up. I can shoot. Maybe I'll just shoot. And that's like what I need to do, right? Um, Aaron Gordon said after the game, Mike is one of the most skilled shooters I've ever been around. So I'm not worried about Mike. Okay. That's a... I get it. Like, he's right. Like, he's going to hit shots, and that, that'll be better. Like, that will be better. It, it would feel better if it felt like... Again, we're coming off of the conversation about so many plays ran for Joker. And I talked about this last time. Like, I don't know for sure that it was MPJ. We don't. We don't know who it was. Malone didn't elaborate. Not going to elaborate. However... If MPJ wants traditional touches, like this was the spot, right? Like this is a moment. You know, no joker. No, no crazy Serbian passing big man, just normal NBA offense. You got some shooters around you, kind of. You've got, you know, a Will Barton trying to create. Like you've got an opportunity here to take over. And the moment went by. And you could say, like, well, he missed his shots, and most of the time he's gonna hit them. That's true, but like he needed to play with more aggressiveness. It's this is what I think is tough in the modern NBA though. I'll say this. It's tough to tell with where the, the game is at with all the three point shooting, whether you're settling or if that's just like where the offense is, right? Cause we know MPJ is a great three point shooter. If he knocks down half of his threes, the nuggets are getting separation and winning the game with like a three point attack. It's hard to do. I think against Utah, I think your better chance is to like grind this game down into dust and like be running ISOs for MPJ and having him jab step and, and hit those kind of shots with Barton doing some flip shots and things like that. Like he did, like that's a model that they could have done to get this win because they had a lead. If they did not had a lead, right. If, if Joker, if Joker gone out earlier and they were like down 10 at the half, like that's just like, all right, pack it in. Right. No Joker schedule loss get be done. They had a lead. This game was winnable and they needed a little bit from MPJ. They didn't just need a little bit from MPJ. They needed what Barton gave them and they needed what Gordon gave them in the first half and they needed the bench to be better. And I'm not pinning all of it on MPJ. But the organization and the coaching staff made it clear that MPJ is super important. Last two seasons. And I have a colleague who shall go nameless, whose name rhymes with Shmai and Schmackburn um, was like, look, he started off slow last year, which he's right. Like Ryan's the right. Like he started off slow last year and he looked lost last year. And then he settled in and he had a phenomenal season and was a 50, 49, well, 50, 40, 75 guy on, you know, 19 points a game. And I expect him to get there. However, this is a tough part of your schedule. You have a front loaded schedule and you're going to have to survive it. And you're going to have to survive it with the bench being ass. No other way around it. That's where it is. Reinforcements are not coming. No one's riding in to save the, the bench. That's not happening. 
So they're going to have to win their starter minutes. And even with Joker being as great as he is, assuming that he is able to play knock on wood, you were going to need to ha- like Porter needs to help the bench. They tried it tonight. They ran Porter with the bench because they had to and wasn't good. They tried running it last night. They tried force feeding him after the half and it wasn't good. Needs to hit shots. But I also think that there needs to be some level of Porter dissecting and understanding what the game needs and controlling the game needs to be on his terms. More is the best way that I would say. It. So, um, that was frustrating, but ultimately, look, it was a back-to-back. It's a back-to-back versus the best regular season team in basketball. Um, jazz fans think that that's an insult. It's not. The, the playoffs in the regular season are two different sports. There are teams I've seen who are great in the playoffs that can't do it in the regular season, and it costs them. The Washington Wizards were like this in the early 2010s. They had a playoff team that was like, if you, they got there, they could make, a, make noise. If they got like a four seed, they almost knocked off the Hawks, and John Wall broke his wrist. Like they were there. They were ready to, to make the conference finals. And who knows if they do. But then they turn around the next year and they were inconsistent. And they would lose one night to a bad team and then beat a good team. They would beat the Lakers and then lose. The, it was like the Nuggets used to be. They never got out of that. Right? As much as the Nuggets still have those games that frustrate fans. Again, I'll keep saying it. 28-6 and six last season versus teams under 500. The Jazz are absolutely rock solid in their win profile. They beat the teams that they are supposed to beat. They beat the teams that are just one tier below them, and they go roughly 500, a little bit above versus the teams that are at their level. They're an elite regular season team. I'm not scared of them in the playoffs, but that's a different sport. They're, they're going to try and figure out an answer for the playoffs. That's why they got Rudy Gay, who's been out, right? This is a tough matchup, but this game is also winnable. That says good things about the Nuggets, but it's also, I think, a frustrating missed opportunity um, in a division game in a low percentage spot where you had a high percentage chance to win. Let's take a break. We'll come back and yeah, we're uh, the bench. We'll just the bench. I got I'm sorry. I got to talk about it. I do apologize. I'll apologize more after the break. Uh, but first. I want to say about Bilt Bar. OK, it's delicious. It's nutritious. It's excellent. It's absolutely phenomenal. Um If you don't know the flavors, you're missing out. They've got coconut and cherry barcia and raspberry mint brownie. I like double chocolate myself. That's my favorite. It's just nice and simple. Salted caramel, strawberry, orange, cookies and cream, and German chocolate. If you haven't tried all the flavors, you can get a mix box where you get two of each of the nine flavors. They've got 17 to 18 grams of protein, calories from 130 to 180, only 4 to 5 grams of sugar, and only 4 to 5 grams of net carbs. Go to Built.com and use promo code LOCKEDON. You'll get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKEDON for 15% off at Built.com. We'll be right back on Locked On Nuggets. But first, just kidding. Yeah, actually, no, we we're right back here on Locked On Nuggets. Thanks for making this part of your day, making us your first listen each and every day. Now make your second listen fancy basketball. Locked on fantasy basketball. Josh Lloyd's got the it's the best and the number one daily fantasy basketball show on the planet. It's free and it's available on all platforms. All right, final segment. Um, I get <laughs> I get negative feedback for harping on things, right? Uh, it's tough, I think, in a in the NBA regular season because the same problems will persist. Um, if I was talking about the Jazz, I would say, look, Rudy Gobert is really underrated. Look at all the great things he does. Look at all the gravity, blah, blah, blah. You know, the things that you hear about from all the, the Jazz reporters. 
Um, but I'd also be like, you know, look, like Jordan Clarkson is great one night, but he's got to be more consistent. And the defense in a playoff setting is really limited um, depending on the matchup. Or I'd say, you know, I'd probably be talking about like, look, Gobert probably, if he's going to be defensive player of the year, has got to do better than getting absolutely spit roasted by Jokic. That can't be happening because they've got it. If you shut off Jokic, then everything else goes away. You'd be hammering on the same things over and over again. The problems are fairly obvious and they don't change immediately. There's a lot of variance in the NBA regular season, but there's no like things do like there are things that are consistent. And so with the Nuggets, like it's the bench right now. Um, Malone said after the game, he said, "I'm going to have to do something about the bench." Like he just said, like it's just too bad. Like he's it's very apparent that he wanted to give those guys a chance and stuck with it and stuck with it and stuck with it and stuck with it. And this was like, the, I think this was the final straw. I've said that before. I've been wrong. So please don't listen to me. Like I, I, I keep saying, I'm not going to listen to Michael Malone's post game press conferences and actually take takeaways, but I keep doing it. So I do think that his frustration is boiling over. I don't think bones is going to get the nod that you probably want. Like I agree with you as much as I'm rookie skeptical. I agree with you. Like if you, if you just said, if Malone was like, Hey Matt, what do you think? I'd be like, I don't know. You're an NBA coach and have been an assistant and a head coach in this league for 20 years. And your dad's been around the game for longer than that. And you've been around this game your whole life. I don't know. Um, But if pressed, like my best, my best analysis I can give you is you remove Faku Campazzo. You play Bones Highland. You start PJ Dozier. You play Bones Highland. And Monte Morris off the bench. That's your backup combo. Uh, you keep the big rotation because you don't have any other options. And you filter in minutes with Zeke Naji, and you know you probably pick up somebody. Maybe a little bit of Austin Rivers minutes. Um, I'll just say, like last night, the Nuggets had the lead down to one, and, and then it became a composite centric system and it fell apart. And then tonight it was a composite centric. They had the lead and then composite came in and it was bad. Now I got to be clear on this. I don't think I'm (laughs) my, my position on composite is pretty clear, right? Dozier was equally bad tonight. Like we're this podcast is team Dozier. Dozier was bad last night, and I thought Dozier was bad tonight. The bigger problem is that in the second half, okay, in they played nine minutes and 39 seconds, okay? In the second half, Dozier and Compazzo played nine minutes and 39, 31 seconds together. That was, that was Dozier's minutes. They have one shot between them. One. No free throws. Dozier missed a shot, a layup. They had two fouls. Um, Campazzo had one rebound. He had one assist. He had one steal. Dozier had zeros across the board and two fouls. Campazzo had one rebound, one assist, one steal, and two fouls. They were minus nine in those minutes. That's your ball game. That's your ball game. Like that's it. When the starters came back in, they were down by too much, and the Jazz were putting the pressure on and leaning on them. And without Joker, there was no way for them to get back in it. Like they, even if the starters had held it, they might have lost that game. Like I'll say this: I think the Nuggets win that game because of the momentum. 
but like they might have lost it anyway, just because the Jazz started being like, "Look, Rudy doesn't have anybody that can do anything versus them because they're too small." I don't think that you got to make rotations and lineups and rosters based off of entirely what happens versus Utah if Jokic goes down. But this is why I asked the questions about the big man situation, right? Like this is this is genuinely why is. There are going to be moments in the season, whether it's Jokic gets in foul trouble or Jokic gets injured or um, whatever. And if you go up against a team like the Jazz, they have Hassan Whiteside and Rudy Gobert, you're at a size disadvantage. Like You can't expect Michael Green and Jeff Green to protect the rim without fouling against seven-footers. That's, that's not feasible. You can, you can outpace them. Like there's, I understand the model. Like If you play spread pick and roll or five out, and you're switching everything, which is what they did. And like, look, they, you know, they switched everything and Gobert had a mismatch and still couldn't do anything because he can't do anything in the post. But they didn't need to. They just moved the ball and get you out of rotation. Um, Capazzo had some really bad defensive plays. So did Dozier. I'll say that. Like, Dozier had some really bad. Like, I thought Dozier's defense the last two games was, was poor. Um, you know, they're both ball watching and they're both trying to like hawk and make things happen. So they can, I think part of it is like, they're trying so hard to create turnovers so that they can get easy buckets. You can't like, you just can't with the personnel. You don't have rim protection and you have a step ladder on, on the outside. Like you can't do this, right? You have to play extremely sound and try and deter and keep everything in front. Um, and that's, that's additionally part of the problem, right? It's like Composite is always kind of like gambling and that's part of his frenetic, chaotic energy. If Composo misses on a steal, you don't have rim protection to contain it. Like you can't clean up that mess. It's just a mess. It's a bucket every time. Um, but the offense, I think, is clearly a bigger issue, right? Like if we just look at, at this from a big picture perspective, um, Two, three, five, 13 points total for the Nuggets off of the bench. Um, Hassan Whiteside had 10 by himself. Joe Ingles had 13, and Jordan Clarkson had 19. Like the, the Jazz are deeper because they are not missing two of their best players, right? But on top of it, the benches just can't do it. They do not have shot creation. They need to create shot creation. Malone said after the game, he mentioned about shortening the rotation. Okay, and that's... Yikes. Uh, because you're going to have to play so many guys with so many more minutes. Like, you don't want to... Will's having a good season. Finally, right? Like, Will's having a good season. You don't want to play Will Barton 38 minutes. He hurt his hand tonight. He said he was fine. But, like, Will will get banged up if Will's having to play 38 minutes because he has to carry this bench. That's... That's honestly not fair to Will Barton, right? Like... Will Barton's not responsible for carrying the bench unit. Get a guard in there that could actually take a jump shot. That's what we're talking about here is you just need a guard that can take a jump shot because teams are not scared of PJ Dozier and they're not scared of Composa. Now, I think Dozier can work as an off-ball weapon. This is why I like him in the starting unit is uh, the three-pointer looks good this season. You put him on the outside. He's a spot-up shooter, getting cuts. He'll, he's a guy that will cut off-ball. You're basically having – you're putting Dozier at two-guard and moving will the point this does mess with your three with your small forward, but you're already kind of screwed there. <laughs> you already have to play guys out of position. If you're like, well, yeah, but if Dozier plays there, we have to play somebody out of position at small forward. Dozier's playing out of position at small forward. They got to do something. 
Um, I want to, I do want to note this uh, rivers. I think he's gotten a bad rap because I think if rivers was getting more minutes with something like he plays almost all of those like pure bench lineups, Malone stressed this, that like Austin rivers is not the reason the bench is struggling. He's the guy that he can most eat. This is telling though. Malone said that rivers is not the guy that's causing the, pro- he got benched in the, in the Phoenix game. He got benched tonight in the second half. He said that rivers is not the guy that is, causing the bench unit issues. But he's the guy that gets excised from the rotation because he's the guy that's on a minimum contract that's new to the team that you can get away with. And like, they're just going to have to have some hard conversations. It's just time for that. It's time for the come to Jesus, right? Now, I am with everyone that thinks like, Bones, I understand. I, I will. I will continue to say this. Like there, you need to be prepared that even if you got your wish and the Nuggets put Bones as the starting or the backup point guard, that they just kept Monte, they removed Dozier and they played Faku and Bones. Right. That's like the easiest, I think, kind of rotational separation. They even if they did that, there's a chance it goes terribly. One, because I think Faku compacts the spacing because nobody cares about what he does offensively, and two, um. Because Bones is a rookie. Like, he did have six turnovers that one game. Like, if you're turning the ball, if, the, if that benching is turning the ball over, they'll still get creamed. Bones has to play mistake-free basketball, right? Which is why it's probably better if it's Monte Morris next to him, who's a low-mistake player. You have Bones in very limited situations being a, a slashing cutter type of guy. Like, have him play Jordan Clarkson next to either, you know, one of the, one of the other guys, that's playing mainly point, you know, will and bones make sense. And Monte and bones make sense. I think Dozier and bones make sense. Faku and bones doesn't make sense, but then I don't think Faku and Monte make sense. And I don't think Faku and Dozier make sense. And I don't think Faku and Rivers. Make sense. like, to me, I'm not saying that if you, if you take Faku Compazzo out of the rotation, the, the, the bench is better. They're still like Jermichael green and Jeff green are not knocked down cold crackdown shooters, right? They're good. They're good, but they're not lethal because they're bench players. Um, I do think you have a better chance of if you have bones in the rotation with staggered with the starters, now you can probably make something happen and you may not have to rely on will as much because honestly, like let bones and MPJ just cook, right? Just go your turn, my turn and go like that. That's probably a better option, but they're going to have to figure out something um, because it is an untenable situation when you play as well as you did and you had a chance to win this game and twice the bench annihilates any hope of a victory. That's going to wrap it up for Lockdown Nuggets. Thanks so much for joining me tonight. We'll be back tomorrow with, uh, we'll recap whatever the Jokic news is, and we'll look forward to solutions and how to approach things. And Adam and I will probably bounce around the league. Um, So make sure to tune in tomorrow. Make sure to subscribe to our YouTube page. It's up. Everyone loves it, which I really appreciate. We've gotten so many positive comments. Thanks so much for that. It's great to see you guys out there. Subscribe on YouTube. Click the little like button. Get, get signed up. Like the videos, comment, let us know what you think. Hit us on Twitter at Locked On Nuggets. Until tomorrow, thanks for joining me. I'm Matt Moore, and you've been listening to Locked On Nuggets.